Welcome to the author who came to tea. Other beverages are available. Joining us today, we have a multi-award winning middle grade author who is famous for her in-depth world making and detailed book series. Welcome Vashti Hardy. Hi Kaden, lovely to meet you. Welcome to the podcast Vashti Hardy. Um, Thank you. All your books um, are for children. Um, do you think you'd ever write a grown-up book? Yes, I think I probably would or will at some point but I don't know I guess it's the idea it depends where the idea kind of fits and where where it suits um which sort of audience it might suit so um I kind of I'm quite driven by whatever the idea is where I could could you know find the readership for it but having said that actually when you when you're a world builder like I am (laughs) love to build a world it's a question of which story you want to tell within that world so I'll create a world and choose what I think is the best story to tell uh, that for, de- for the particular theme I'm exploring or um but obviously when you create a world you could choose to tell someone else's story within that world or a different perspective or um you know a different point in the history or in the future of that world so there are so many different stories that you could tell within a fantasy world and some of those could be could suit a more adult audience so I would never say never to anything is my motto whatever kind of genre or um sort of medium for telling the story works best I think but yeah I'd be really excited actually and I like the idea of my readership kind of growing up with the books a little bit as well so with like with Brightstorm with Brightstorm series so you've got um Arthur and Mordy. so each book they're kind of growing up and you know becoming young adults and growing up with the the readership so it would be quite nice maybe to kind of explore as that series continues to explore different themes and different issues that might come up for them as people that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> so how do you create your worlds um, for your books? Oh, I, I usually I'm quite um, I have quite a visual imagination, I suppose. So I use pictures a lot. Pinterest is my best friend <laughs> when it comes to world building. I create a board for every every project I'm working on and then have loads of other boards going on as well that are just maybe ideas or I might see a picture that I think oh that could be something within a world or maybe a story could grow just from that picture so Pinterest is one of my ways I draw maps for my story worlds as well often usually is the first thing I do actually I will get my sketch pad and start just drawing the world that I'm creating because if I create the geography of it if I create it's always like if I create it on a piece of paper, it's like it's coming to life in some way. So, yeah, I draw a map of the world and maybe add to that as I'm writing the story. And also music is really important to me when I'm writing as well. And, and that could be, it might be a soundtrack. Soundtracks are really good for world building because they take you on an emotional journey, don't they? Like when you listen, when you watch a film, the soundtrack is created to match the emotional journey of a film. So if you want to to kind of get into the atmosphere of a world or a certain atmosphere of a scene, 
like soundtracks are great for it. But also music with lyrics is good as well, because sometimes I might go for a walk, be listening to my Spotify playlist and there might be a song and the lyrics might just resonate with me or might pop an idea into my head that can sort of go into the world building somehow. So, yeah, I would say I'm quite um, creative, I suppose, in that in that way, which is nice. I think sometimes people think writers just sit there, you know, with their pens or tapping away at the keyboard all day. But there's so much more to it that's really fun. And, you know, probably I'd say 50% of my time is the more kind of world building creative side. If I can, my theory is if I can feel it, then the reader will be able to feel it. If I can imagine it and breathe life into it, then the reader hopefully will be transported into my world. And that, you know, that's the goal for the reader to make it, to feel like it's a real, a real place <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away <laughs> somewhere. Um, what would you say is your favourite part of the book creating process? Um, I think I love generating ideas. That's really fun and trying to make them work. I also like editing, probably weirdly, because uh, seeing your story improve and working with an editor is such a great part of the process. And I love I love bouncing ideas around with my editor. He's brilliant. He's called Linus Alcenis. Um and he's just, yeah, he gets how my mind works and is just as bouncy as me. So between us, we'll kind of throw ideas around and then it just takes it to another level, which is lovely. So I love editing. I love writing the end as well to books. Often, actually, I know the exit kind of feeling or the sort of ending I want. Um, and then that informs the journey, because if you know where you're going to you want the reader to end up and the characters to end up, you can kind of, you, you know how to put the building blocks in place. So yeah, I like all aspects of it really. Um, yeah, every every bit is different, challenging often as well. <laughs> hard work, but then anything worth doing is, is hard work. Where do you get your inspiration for your stories from? I know you said Pinterest, but is there any, are there any other ways you get inspiration yeah definitely um I think mainly my inspiration comes from big questions that I might be thinking about or grappling with myself so there might be um often one of the themes that keeps coming up in my books all the time is humans versus nature and and sort of how technology is I imagine it like a pyramid so you've got technology and science and how that moves in relation to humanity and humans and nature and I love that kind of triangle and the tensions between these three things and how exploring how often humans we put ourselves at the the pinnacle of life on earth and everything should fall underneath us and we forget that we share the planet with lots of other creatures and I love playing with intelligence and what that means. Um, yeah, invention, science. And the lovely thing about writing fantasy is you can take real life science and you can just go, well, what if? What if you could, you know, bring back ghosts? What if there was a signal you could harness and put it inside a robot? What would that be like? What, what you know, how would people treat 
these um, ghosts? What would the ethics be? What, what, how would society kind of group off and how would they be threatened by it? So you get to explore really good, juicy questions through asking a big question. Um, and also, I think it gives a book depth because it's one thing sort of thinking, oh, you know, I've got an idea for a lovely fantasy world. That's, but that's going to be nothing unless you've got some big questions and heart embedded in the world. That just kind of, for me, makes it a more interesting process to explore. Moving to your life before you became an author, um, do you have any stories any funny stories from your time as a primary school teacher? Um, funny stories. I mean, we're, I used to love, like, I, I would always try and weave story into whatever I did. <laughs> I'd always have a, an angle. I'd always, like, give the children their own writing journals for free writing is in. And I remember once when I was a student teacher and I was, I gave the children free writing journals and one of the other teachers that had been there for a long time said to me oh you're a bit of a maverick aren't you <laughs> because, because you know he saw it as quite rebellious to kind of give the children free writing time where you weren't going to mark it and they could have this space um so I was always a little bit rebellious in that way <laughs> but so many teachers do do that and it and it's lovely and I think important that's why uh, when I was in secondary school, a teacher did the same for me. They bought in um, a box of plain writing journal books. And the teacher said, you can take one of these if you want. You don't have to. But if you want to, you can write anything you like in it. You can write a poem, you know, draw some pictures, write down your top 10 favorite songs, whatever you want to do. But it's your space. I'm never going to mark it. But sometimes I might, you know, if you want me to have a look at it or, you know, and you don't mind sharing it, that'd be great, but no pressure. So I thought, oh, take one of those books. And yeah, and then I started to just explore it because I think that fear of being judged sometimes as a writer is can sort of stop you from actually doing anything. And it's school. It's a different process that sort of to writing than actually creatively giving yourself that space to to fail and and imagine so yeah that's um that's probably my most memorable thing from being a teacher is is the story side of it English teachers normally believe that every like sentence or every word has such a deep meaning um as an author would you say you put that much depth into your work? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Because on the one hand, every single word that you write as an author has to count for something. Nothing should be there that doesn't need to be there. It's that, I always forget who said this, like you, you, probably, you might know, but what's that saying? What author said something like if you put a gun on the wall in scene one you better make sure it's gone off by by the end of the book or something like that it's that that feeling of every every single thing that you choose to put in small or big um, is a is a conscious choice so in that way yes I think it does all have meaning but then having said that some people kind of might pull 
different meaning out of something that I've written than other people. And that's kind of fine. And sometimes people say things about what, what I've written that surprise me. And I think, oh yeah, I guess, I guess I was doing that, but kind of maybe subconsciously. And I didn't realize that those connections were there, which is um, the lovely thing about art, I guess, in whatever form the art is coming, there is always interpretation of the, the, the viewer or the reader. Um, and they kind of bring their own angle to it. And I think that's quite nice. So yeah, every word does count and matter, even though if you think about it in, in a, you know, in a book like Brightstorm, there's about 70,000 <laughs> words. So that's, that's kind of like, if you thought about it too much, you'd never write a word, would you think 70,000 words I've got to get right in the right order <laughs> and make into like some lovely <laughs> story. Um, and then the trick is when the reader's reading it, you, you know, they don't want to be aware of the author being there at all. So you have to kind of sort of do all this and then, then make sure you're kind of hidden away from what's going on in the book. Um, do you think you also put some of your own personality into your books? Yeah, I think you can't help but do that, really. Um, I think if you tried to stop it, you wouldn't be able to. And I think, yeah, so I suppose sometimes through the characters, so some of the characters I write, especially the protagonists, tend to be quite uh, tenacious, a little bit, um, you know, they'll find a way over barriers, whatever I throw at them, they kind of will find, push on through and find a way or find a different angle, even when things go terribly wrong. Uh, there's always like some angle of hope or something that they can do. And I'm a little bit like that in my personality. I'm quite sort of, I've got to have a bit of a dogged determination um, to, to get something done. I'm not sort of phased by failing. It makes me kind of roll up my sleeves and go, okay, right. <laughs> what can I do? How can I make it better? How can I improve um, in my writing? So that side of me kind of comes through or little things like, um, like I think like your experiences. So like some of the baddies, that I write there are things like maybe memories from from secondary school of people that maybe weren't the nicest of people or situations and I can't help but kind of maybe drop a little sort of hint of those things in occasionally but yeah I don't think you can help but put sort of bits of yourself the essence of you and also your best writing always comes from your own um your own joys interests, grapplings, um, natural sort of interests that you have. So I love real life explorer stories and adventures. So kind of Brightstorm kind of, um, kind of that led me in that direction. Um, yeah, I love inventions and robots and science. So there'll always be those sort of elements in my book. So yeah, you always write your best stories when you go with things, things that you love. I think that's why sometimes writing at school is quite hard because, um, you know, you're learning lots of different things, but it's not always, you don't, I mean, how often do teachers say, right, you can write, we're going to write a story and it can be about anything you want it to be about. We're going to use our skills and just use those to go. That's kind of quite a rare occurrence, but that's really the motivation to write comes through writing about things that you personally are really motivated to write about 
maybe teachers are missing a trick there <laughs> a little bit. Maybe there should just be a tiny bit more space for that. I mean, of course, you have to learn all the, you know, the, the standards and that you've got to have your writer's toolkit, but also just a little bit more space to, to just have that blue sky thought and creativity, I think would really help motivate a lot of students. So kind of going off topic slightly here, um, but you won uh, the Blue Peter Book Award. Um, how did that feel? Oh, it was... It still feels like a dream, to be honest. I keep expecting someone to wake me up and say, actually, that didn't happen, Vashti. That was one of your elaborate dreams going on there. But it was amazing because it was it was before lockdown the first that Wild Spark won. And it was just, I couldn't believe it. When I received the email from my publicist to tell me I, I had to read it about 10 times I couldn't take it in I was thinking no I'm misreading this it says I'm sorry but and I, was, and I kept reading it. and after about 10 reads I thought, no it really does say <laughs> that I've won it so it was amazing because I love Blue Peter growing up that was like my other career plan was be a Blue Peter presenter <laughs> but um, yeah, so to go on the TV was surreal and amazing. And I'm not sure that I don't think I can ever top that in my writing career. Who knows? Never say never say never to, to topping anything. But that was such a highlight for me. And yeah, I couldn't believe my luck, really. I suppose it's not all luck. <laughs> You've got to write a good story. But um it was, it's lovely that children vote for it. And then, um, you know, the lovely short, shortlisting panel that, that sort of select the, the final three. Uh, yeah, I just feel really grateful that they saw something in Wild Spark and connected with what I was trying to do. Um, do you think the Blue Peter Award would be your most like meaningful award? Or do you think there's another one that you've won that could... I think probably, yeah, I think the Blue Peter probably, um, well, definitely is for me because it's kind of widely known and recognised, um, which is lovely. So, yeah, I think for me, that's that's been the, the biggest one for me. But then there are so many other things that are just as lovely. Like for me, if I meet... A reader who's connected with the book and you can almost see this little spark in the eye of someone when they love something and when they really have gone there and love the characters and they feel like one one of the one of the crew or you know side by side with crew in in wild spark that you can just see that spark in the eye and you know it means something and that is precious that's that's a gorgeous thing to see. So sometimes those little moments are just as important and just as lovely as the bigger things. You've written both standalone books and um, series. Uh, what was your favourite? Do you prefer writing standalones or series? Oh, that's a great question. Well, you've got great questions. Um, so, yeah, we, um, my publisher, Scholastic, um, 
and I have kind of done things slightly, you know, we've gone our own kind of off on our own tangent way of doing things. So yeah, Bright Storm was first, um, then Wild Spark, which is stand standalone. But, you know, I'd really like to write more in that world. I've got kind of an idea, but who knows when I'll get to do it. But I'd, I would really like to do another one. And then Dark Whispers, the second in the Bright Storm series came out. And then... Yeah, Harley Hitch, which is slightly younger, 79's New World. So there's another one of that coming out. And then Crowfall, which is standalone. But again, you could do, do more things. So I, I kind of, I like both. I think when you when you write a sequel, it's a little bit like um, putting, putting on your comfortable slippers and kind of stepping back into something that you know that's familiar because you're revisiting the characters and and you do get that feeling of like, oh, I'm home again with these, with the Brightstorm crew or with Grace Griffin and her family in the Griffin Gate when I write those or like with Harley. Um, I kind of, I know what it feels like to be in that world. So once you've visited it and you, you know that feeling of stepping into that story world, it's very easy to go back there and get into the rhythm of, of the characters. Whereas when you write something new, you're building everything. You're building like the Crowfall, the, like the, the rules of the world of Crowfall, how the science works, how the technology works, how nature works in this world, the history of the world, the potential future of the world. You know, there's quite a lot in here that I had to think about that the reader wouldn't necessarily be aware of but for me there's kind of in there's a lot of work that's gone into it to create it a lot of brain <laughs> brain power I sometimes think if you could measure authors brains <laughs> when they're world building or when they're writing I bet that the chart would be absolutely bonkers when <laughs> it'd be all over the place it'd be some graph so so yeah, but I, I do enjoy that process of world building and trying to get, get that, that right. So yeah, on the one hand, I love the, the new magic of creating a world. And on the other hand, I love being back with old friends as well. So do you prefer to read standalones or series? Oh, either or really. I'm quite, yeah, I'm, I'm just, if it's, I think if it's something that you utterly adore it's so lovely to know that there's another book that you can pick up in that series because you you can go go back into that that world so you know like something like the hunger games I loved reading hunger games it was for me it was one of those real page turner of a books that I couldn't put down and and then you, you kind of you think you finish book one and you're thinking nothing can top that that was just so spectacular and then then you read book two and it takes it to a completely different level that you think I you know I didn't think you could you could turn it up but but it has so I think when you write a series that challenge of like turning up the dials each time is really important I've forgotten the question I was answering there <laughs> I've gone off on a tangent again but um yeah yeah I like to read both both a series and a standalone I think there's nothing 
there's nothing worse than if you read a book and you don't feel satisfied by the ending and there's nowhere to go with it. I think it's one thing when you get to the end of something and you know there's going to be more, you can kind of think, okay, I kind of, that feels complete, but not quite complete. In the same way, like if you watch something like Star Wars um, and you hit the Empire Strikes Back, it's got a very different exit feeling to to the first one and the third one, hasn't it? It's kind of, it's complete, but you know that that you know Han Solo is frozen in the in in you know sent off somewhere. So that you know it's not satisfying, but it has a lovely. It still has an arc to it, but you know that you if you didn't if you didn't ever find out what happened to to Han Solo, it would be so frustrating, wouldn't it? So sometimes, yeah, as long as it has a satisfying ending for me, then I'm happy. Do you have a favourite person that you know has read your books? Oh, um, gosh. There are, um, there are some twins that actually Dark Whispers is, is um, dedicated to, Tom and Lucy, who are um, twins that I met in Leeds at an event and they just were so like Arthur and Maudie Brightstorm <laughs> in my imagination and just that the way their relationship as twins was really like quite sweet and special and that's what I wanted to show in these books I wanted to give a twin relationship a boy-girl twin relationship that was was not the twins trying to kill each other or something like you often find in twin books you know there is this thing isn't it the evil twins um so I wanted to show a sibling relationship that yeah there's ups and downs but they're really there for each other through real family hardship they've always got each other so so that Tom and Lucy kind of quite special people to me because they embodied what the bright storms were about for me and they've got an older sister who's like Harriet Culpepper <laughs> too but yeah and I think really my my editor and my agent my agent Kate Shaw and my editor Linus Alcenis they're the people that um I trust in their opinions so for me when they read one of my stories or we discuss a new idea and they have they're on board with that enthusiasm and they feel like it could go somewhere that's what we, that's what I I kind of I need that <laughs> that sort of um, that sort of acknowledgement from them in order to move forward and uh, because sometimes when you write an idea you never you don't really know you know, there are certain things that you think oh I'm not sure if this could work or that could work so sometimes having a professional voice in the business that you can discuss things with is really important and also booksellers like if 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 booksellers enjoy your books and love your books then that that means the world because at the end of the day without you know without booksellers without lovely independent bookshops you know the books aren't going to get into the hands of the readers. And that's where, you know, if you go into, if you're young and you go into the bookshop and you don't know what you're looking for necessarily, and you can say, oh, I, I you know, I, I absolutely adore um, space. 
then they, they you know the booksellers are going to be like right here we go <laughs> what about this and they'll they can direct you and steer you in the right direction so you know if the booksellers um kind of get what you're doing and, and know how to fit you with it with the the readers that come into their the shops and that's that's magical okay so um that was all of the questions so would you like to do the one minute challenge yeah let's do it <laughs> okay so at the moment the person at the top of the leaderboard is simon james green <laughs> and he answered 15 questions wow that's really so, good i don't think i'll top that but you know i'll try <laughs> Okay. What book most influenced or inspired you as a child? Um, Rebecca's World by Terry Nation. What is your favourite word? Uh, spooky. <laughs> How would you like your tea? Oh, white with honey. If you were Where's Wally, where would you hide? Oh, probably in an alternate universe. Pencil or pen? Pencil. What is your favourite children's book now? Oh, uh, Ship of Shadows. Paper or computer? Computer. Mystery or horror? Mystery. Famous Five or Secret Seven? Uh, Secret Seven. Cake or biscuits? Cake. Blog <laughs> or diary? What was that? Blog or diary? Oh, diary. Who is your favourite author? Oh, James Nichol. Illustrator? Uh, George Moss. Poet? Oh, Joseph Coelho. Bookmarks or flap corners? Oh, flap corners. She said shakily. Paperback or hardback? Hardback. Okay, you got uh, 17, I think. In your face, sorry. (laughs) Well done. No, I love you really, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was... Very impressive. <laughs> there are such good questions. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me along. Have you got a favourite book? What's your favourite read at the moment? It's hard to have a favourite though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What would you say is the book that got you into reading uh, when you were younger? Was there one that sort of sparked it for you? Honestly, this sounds really crazy, but my mum put me in for the summer reading challenge when I was like a year too young for it. And I read the Mr. Men series. I love Mr. Men. (laughs) So I mean... Probably the Mr. Messy. I I used to love the Mr. Men. I used to, I could use I used to be able to really relate to Mr. Messy. <laughs> that was like I, yeah I love Mr. They were just so simple and just like good. And I like the way like when you put all the spines together, it, it sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to our guests today and our listeners at home for joining us for tea. Until next time, 